Hi, and welcome to Friends of Brother Adam. My name is Dennis, and I'll be your host for this evening. We're going to be talking about warre hives this evening. I've done several different takes of this particular um, uh, hive, and uh, have decided that I need a little help explaining this. So I've gone to perfectb.com and have looked up their stuff. Um, I have attempted these hives and there are certain reasons that you would use them and certain reasons that you wouldn't. Um, and uh, right off the top, what I'll tell you is um, bee inspectors will not like this hive. <laughs> However, that should not stop us from um, experimenting and finding the hive that is good for you and maybe modifying this particular hive so that it does work for bee inspectors. So in looking at the Langstroth beehive we see a solution that has served the beekeeper well for a hundred years. The design delivers many benefits for the beekeeper and the Langstroth has proven itself very successful choice which means the bees must generally find it agreeable too. However, it is not directly focused on the needs of bees as the Warre hive. The Warre is somewhat less a common type of beehive, but has a number of significant advantages. Many of these are based on a core design and principle its French designer, Abbe Emile Warre, had in mind a design based on the locations in which the bees lay their little hats and naturally naturally in the wild. An important note about this lesson, this lesson primarily describes what, namely design principles and components of the Warre hive, the how and why of the Warre are covered in a separate time. Um, the design and intent. A reflection and respect for the natural world manifests itself in many ways throughout the Warre design. The physical dimensions of the worry box are similar to that of a hollow in a tree, a location that wild bees often select. The only slight compromise is that while an exact cavity would reflect a circular shape of a tree trunk, this is difficult to manufacture consistently, so square boxes are used in the worry. Worry beehives are foundationless. They use bars that lay across the top of each box from which the bees will draw their own comb. By the way, while it is perfectly possible to use foundationless frames in the Langstroth and quite common, it wasn't specifically designed with that approach in mind. Unlike the Warray, um, the foundationless approach means that the Warray is a common choice for those who favor natural beekeeping. And this is where the hippiness comes in. Um, where bees draw their own comb entirely and their own shapes within each singular box on their own. How bees build and use comb in nature. In nature, bees build and use comb in the following general pattern. They create comb from the ceiling of the cavity. They initially raise their brood at the top of the comb. Note this too differs from a Langstroth where the brood is raised in the lower box. As they continue to create the comb that hangs down farther into the cavity, the brood is raised in the lower part of the comb. The upper part of the comb is repurposed to store honey. 
Over time, this means that the bees raise brood at the bottom of each hanging comb with honey stored above the brood. At the onset of this, the winter, the winter cluster starts consuming the honey, working from the bottom up. If the cluster reaches the top of the honey store before the end of winter, then they run the risk of starvation. The Warre design works closely to mirror and support these natural behaviors in the bees. Initially, the box is merely an empty shell with top bars resting along the top of the box. There are eight such bars, each resting on what Warre called the rebate, or a kind of setback. Um, bees then start creating or drawing comb from the bars down into the box. Initially, they create brood and then, true to what they do in nature, they use the lower comb for brood and start using the upper part for honey. When the comb reaches down to the top bars of the next box below, the bees will leave a space, bee space, most times. <laughs> Aside from offering the bees all the benefits of bee space, it also means that conveniently for the beekeeper, each box is separate unit, which can be managed and harvested independently. So this is the great difference between um, frames and then the warre hive, is that each box is its own mega frame. And so when you're dealing with the box, you lift the box up, scoop out the honey and the wax, and then take the box back and put it back into rotation. So um, in this way, you are dealing with it just in the box. And for some people, they, they like that a lot better. The entire philosophy behind Warre is based on reflecting nature and the beekeeper leaving the bees alone for as long as possible. The Warre has three main sections. The base on which the boxes rest includes the bottom board, featuring an entrance through which the bees can come and go. The base may optionally include small legs. Also, um, one of the things that my friend has done in order to make the base more um, mouse unfriendly is he's put what he calls uh, little bars that keep the mice out. He nails B or nails puts nails into the B uh, floorboard that go up through the entrance and limit the amount of space to one or two B's wide. Hmm. Hopefully I can explain this a little bit better. Um, my friend, he uh, drives some uh, nails, some small nails up through, and they almost touch the um, box above it, and it kind of creates like little jail bars that are um, spaced about one to two B spaces apart, and... Um, not B spaces, one to two Bs apart, so that there's no possible way that a uh, um, mouse can skinny on through there. Um, and that's one of the things that we find with uh, Warre hives, is their bases are usually so close to the ground, you either have to set them up on something, 
or they are so close to the ground that they're in jeopardy of having mice in them constantly. Um, on to boxes. Boxes or more boxes than one in which bees live. Um, there's also something called a roof and quilt box. So there are two separate items. A unique design featuring a roof covering a quilt box with an absorbent material to help limit condensation on the inside of the box. And it also allows a certain amount of air to circulate from the bottom, rising up through the heat, and then the hot air is able to leave the box and uh, go out into the outside air. Um, however, it's limited by that quilt box and the material inside the quilt box. So let's, let's go in and, and just concentrate a little bit on the individual components of, of every part of this. Uh, the base. The base of the worry is like the rest of the design, simple and to the point. The entrance is considerably smaller than that of Langstroth, which means there is no requirement for an entrance reducer. Although the smaller size does mean that fewer bees can come and go at the same time. And we talked about earlier, just, just a minute ago, about putting in jail bars by, by using nails. Um, and you can combine some of the features of uh, Langstroth with this one. You can put uh, a screen bottom board on there so that's just screen on the bottom for hotter areas. And then for uh, colder areas, you'd want to put a solid bottom on there. The bottom board is part of the base and the Warre hives can be purchased or created with optional legs to raise it off the ground. So um, the other issue that we have with these bottom boards is because it's 30 centimeters by 30 centimeters, um, these are, they're easier to tip. And when you get them higher, when you have like five or six boxes on there, and then your um, quilt box and roof box on the top of that, um, these tend to be less um, able to withstand the heavier winds and heaven forbid if you were to ever have an earthquake. So one of the things that some people do is they will um, make a base that is wider than the boxes themselves and um, that way um, the base is more stable or stable and uh, then the boxes on top you know just don't stack them too high if you're in a high wind area or you might want to put it behind a wall boxes worry boxes are considerably smaller than those of a langstroth and are square typically measure 12 inches by 12 inches um, or or 30 centimeters by 30 centimeters uh, which is closer to in approximation to the locations that wild bees naturally choose such as a hollow of a tree and if you're having trouble figuring out the length it's essentially a hand length and three quarters of a hand length so you put two hands together and kind of overlap them a little bit and that's how how wide and long they are 
Although there is some visual similarity with Langstroth boxes, the smaller dimensions and the inclusion of external handles make them quite distinctive. Some Ware hives feature a useful viewing window. And I don't say it's too useful at all because you're going to be changing the, the location of the boxes upwards. And eventually there's going to be nothing in that box that you can look at except for honey. <laughs> so I just don't see the point of a viewing window on these boxes. Unless you have kindergarten school kids coming through and you want to show them and you put it on the bottom and let them build it out a little ways and they can just take a look in there. Or if you have friends coming over that you constantly show stuff to. Or if you build every single one of these boxes with a window. <laughs> That's the only reason that you would want to be able to do that. The relatively small size of the Warre box means that the winter cluster is closer to the walls as it works its way through the winter. This keeps the walls warmer, which in turn helps reduce condensation, at least compared to the Langstroth. However, what is n that is not to say that the buildup of moisture in a Warre hive is not significant concern, as we will see below. The other thing that you need to know is that in colder climates, we tend to make the walls of the Ware hive bigger. And if you do that, you want to keep the interior of, um, dimensions of the box the same. So you're going to have to adjust how you're doing this and adjust your rabbit joints such that um, you have on, on the front and back, you have the 30 centimeters and then on the um, east and west sides you have the um, they they overlap they go over top of the the sides so that you can make rabbit joints and connect them together and have them be a box that's not going to fall apart um, Extending a worry with a new box is done in a manner opposite of that of a Langstroth, whereas the latter involves placing a new box on top of existing boxes. With the worry, the new box is placed underneath the existing boxes. This makes for a little better or a little more effort to add a new box, but relatively uncommon event as compared to a regular hive inspections. Okay, so... Um, they do have lifters that lift up these boxes. They look like, um, <laughs> they, they kind of look like mini forklift. So um, you have something that you put on the ground that goes beside your, um, your uh, either side of your boxes. So instead of a trolley having a flat blade on the bottom that you push your, your stack of whatever you're lifting a little bit forward and slip it under and then push it back and then, and then pull it back onto the trolley. This thing, the trolley doesn't have a plate on the bottom. The trolley has um, uh, two forks that go on either side of the hive and stabilize the trolley so that when you start lifting, it's got a stable platform. And then what you do is there is a crank on the back of the trolley and the crank ha is attached to two forks 
that you um, slide underneath the handles of the box you're going to be lifting and then you fix the forks so that they can't spread apart and then you use the crank on the back to lift up the box and then you slide a new box in and then crank it down and pull your forks apart and pull it away from the hive and that's how they change the hive um, and put a new one in the other thing you can do if you're if you don't have that is you can go from the very top and just kind of set things aside and uh, you will need uh, uh, you will need a board or something that you can put your hive on as you're stacking it um, so that you don't lose your queen somewhere um, and uh, it keeps the bees from falling out the bottom and everything if you set it on kind of like a box or something like we do with the Langstroth hive top we just flip that over and, and set our boxes on top of that well if you have just a, a regular piece of plywood there and you set your boxes until you get to the bottom box and then you would put a new box on and then stack the boxes back on if you don't have that cutesy little trolley lift thing so anyways um, they also talk about uh, quilt box and roof to aid in insulation and moisture control the roof of the worry hive is made from thicker wood than the roofs of Langstroth hives beneath the roof box is filled with a quilt box or wood shavings and lined with cotton cloth this is also reasonably this is also called reasonably enough the quilt box the roof also features a gap through which wind and air can pass through further helping with ventilation so <laughs> um, this roof box actually fits right over top of and slides down on top of um, everything and then it's got some stops in the roof box that stop right on top of the uh, uh, quilt box there is a um, there is a board that goes on the top that keeps any snow or rain or anything from falling through the cracks and then dripping down in um, or, or, or going through the, the vent accesses that you put in the sides to make uh, air vents. Um, and then it also talked about a small little area that mimics a bee escape on the Langstroth hive. And it's one B wide, one B high type of thing, and it's just right there in the top. And that also, that is actually below that board, so that it's got communication into the quilt box. Um, what we have found is that the quilt box happens to be a prime location for bumblebees, and if you have it large enough for mice as well. Um, and the other issue with quilt boxes is you tend to have the bees chewing on the material from the quilt box and they will actually chew a huge big hole in it and then your material that you have up top of the quilt box gets down all the way through the hive. So uh, what we usually do is we recess the quilt. So we put a, a lip on, we saw when we were putting it together, we saw a lip a redux into the um, um, bottom of the quilt box and we will staple a, um, a wire um, 
netting on on the first layer and that will actually hold most of the chips and stuff on the top or 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 hay or whatever you're putting up there and then we put a quilt something on the bottom so like burlap or something like that and if the bees do chew through the burlap it's okay everything's still held up top it's just the bees have decided to chew through the burlap so um, it, that'll help as well um, some other options the simplicity of the worry means there's quite a few options. Um, this is not a bad thing. And these options allow each beekeeper to modify it to fit their area. For example, legs on which the hive sits can be changed, the material for the quilt roof, and so on. But the most, for the most part, the worry is self-contained. One useful tool is... Um, a spacing tool so you're able to uh, it has little fingers on the spacing tool and you're able to stick it right on the hive and space out the uh, bars so that they are appropriately spaced distances it's a simple device allowing you to ensure the bars are spaced correctly on the box so pros the design is based on the preferences of wild bees and what we imagine wild bees will want since they usually uh, find their homes in tree hollows. The shape and dimensions of the box approximate a cavity of a tree that the bees often choose. We have the ability to modify the thickness of the box and make it more like um, that of a tree. Um, and it also makes it so that every winter you don't have to re-insulate uh, a box just to um, have it winterized. So um, it's less messing with them, they're easily uh, accessible, and it seems to be something that is really cool to do. Uh, consistent with natural beekeeping. The foundationless approach is considered by many to be a positive characteristic, especially to proponents of natural beekeeping, or hippies. <laughs> but the next part is our homesteaders, low maintenance. The design and matter in which the bees use the space also demands that the beekeeper stay out of the hive. Um, another thing is that um, the cost is really low because you don't have any expensive equipment. You are using um, uh, a crush and strain method for your um, recovered honey and recovered wax. And so you don't need to purchase uh, a centrifuge. You don't need to purchase a capping tank. You don't need to purchase <laughs> all those things that you have to have in order to um, do the Langstroth method of, of harvesting honey. Matter of fact, you could probably get a very large Ziploc bag and put your whole entire box or half a box into that Ziploc bag, zip it closed, punch it like crazy on the, on the countertop, leave it on the countertop for two days, and within two days all the honey is on the bottom, all the wax is on the top, and you just pour out your honey using your bag as a, a funnel into your uh, jar 
or into your strainer unit and then you strain it and it goes into the jar and that'll be your honey <laughs> that's the honey that you're selling uh, or or putting down for storage and then the wax that's still in there still has a lot of um, uh, honey in it which makes for very perfumey candles the honey smelling wax is just wonderful um, and the other thing you can do is you can take the wax put it outside for the bees to to clean it off for you and then you can melt it and, and put it into whatever thing that you want to put it into sell it or make candles or make makeup or whatever you want to do um, the aesthetics many feel the style of the worry is one of the most visually attractive available um, the other thing is is that it is quite simple to make mr Ware really uh, did a good job at describing it drawing it and making it pretty simple for people to make it is highly adaptable uh, you are able to make the bars into frames you were able to put uh, foundation inside the frames to keep the frames from having too much burr comb so you can essentially turn it into a, a mini Langstroth if you put frames in there and, and put some um, uh, foundation frames to to keep the hot the um, the combs up and down nicely and then you could go in and and remove them and and just cut it out of the frame whatever you want to do so that is something that you can do also some people have um, made it so that you are able to stack four of these all in a group back to back so that you are able to slip your forks in there with your lifting device lift it up and then and then put in a new box but they're back to back so that kind of allows for uh, mutual assistance for um, wind resistance um, and the other thing that people have done is they have placed the worry hive along walls so that it has some wind uh, um, shelter so that they don't have to worry about the worry box being blown down. Now, out here in the prairies where I live, it's a really good thing to put your hives behind a wall or, or build a wall for your hives. Um, I have to shelter my hives from two different directions, from the north wind, which is freaking freezing cold when it does come down, and then from the east wind. And so the east wind is the one that we get shear winds from, and we will get 100 kilometer an hour winds or more, and a worry hive will definitely be on the ground. <laughs> um, and something that some people do is they make it so that there is a way to slip, uh, or what do they call it, um, ratchet strap um, around the hive. So all the way from the bottom, all the way to the top, and all the way back down to the bottom so that they're holding it all together. And that will make it a little bit easier so that if it does fall, it's not going to all just you know, break apart and, and have five boxes all over the yard type of thing with bees all flying everywhere. Um, if it does by chance fall, then it falls as a unit and stays as a unit. Um, you might have to 
find yourself a new queen because a lot of times the queen will get squished and something like that, but uh, a lot of the bees will survive. So <laughs> that's something you can do to alleviate some of the problems that we've talked about. So cons, the lower honey yield, although it's less of a concern for the hobbyist, the smaller the boxes of Warre mean that it doesn't have honey producing potential that the Langstroth does. It's not a factory type um, setup, so you things are not as interchangeable. You know, if you happen to look in the um, brood chamber and you notice that uh, some of the brood are, are not doing too good, it's not like you can just pull out one frame and get rid of a, a frame that has a little bit of disease on or stone brood or something like that. Um, literally, you have to um, get rid of the box and start over again. <laughs> so that's a lot of brood and that's a lot of stuff that you're getting rid of. So you have to treat each box as its own frame, essentially, in that case. Uh, another con is that it, they are not inspectable by bee, bee inspectors. And so you have to utilize some of those uh, options that we talked about earlier in uh, making things more accessible to uh, inspectors so that you can uh, do what the state wants and also do what the bees want. So, <laughs> and you'll notice your desires are not in there. <laughs> so um, also access to experienced beekeepers and knowledge transfer. The Warre is somewhat less common than Langstroth. As such, one is less likely to come across a Warre beekeeper at a beekeeping club. Um, that's not necessarily true because a lot of us have dabbled in Warre. A lot of us have done stuff, but we're not just Warre beekeeping uh, experts. <laughs> we are, you know, we, we, we try a lot of different things, find stuff that works for us, incorporate it in the beekeeping that we're doing. So you will find some Warre beekeepers that have done Warre previously. Um, usually, unless you are well suited for this uh, type of hive, you won't stick with it though. You'll end up back in the Langstroth hive group sucks but that's just the way it goes um, so there are some beekeepers that can help you that can transfer the knowledge um, however um, this is this is one of the, the cons that you do have uh, cumbersome to add new box so there are ways of getting around uh, the sore back that comes from taking every single box off and, and separating all the boxes and then, you know, putting them aside and then putting your new box on and then stacking it all back up. Yeah, so that's one of the problems is you're going to end up with a sore back if you're not careful or unless you figure out a way around it. And fragility of the comb. For the new beekeeper, the delicate comb built by bees is not made rigid by man-made foundation and can potentially be an issue if you're pulling out your your top bars and you're looking at them you always have to remember to keep your axis in the up and down uh, form so when you go to turn it over you turn it towards the side so how do i explain this um so in instead of 
taking the bottom and pointing it towards your face by bringing it up your body and then pointing it at your face type of thing, or even canting it a little bit to the side, that's enough to knock that frame off or that, that comb off if it's hot. So what you're going to have to do is take it out and then rotate the axis along the length um, and then take a look at it upside down so that it's upside down gravity pointing down at the top of the frame and then you're going to have to turn it back over in the same manner and then set it back in but usually what ends up happening is they mold their uh, combs around one another and get that neat little spiral thing going that they do and <laughs> you're not going to be able to move it except for as a box also um, one of the problems with this is that if you do not alternate your bar um, stacking, so for example, having your um, bars pointed front back on the first box and then setting your second box on with the bars pointed uh, side to side and then next box bars pointed front to back, kind of alternating that. If you don't do that, then when you try and lift off the top box, you will take um, the frame underneath it and it'll shear off the sides that have been um, bent around in their special shape. It'll shear off those sides. So you'll be pulling off this whole entire box and on the bottom you won't be able to set it down because on the bottom there'll be another frame attached to it and you'll have honey running down the hive because it's sheared off a bunch or you'll have killed a bunch of babies or a whole bunch of that. So the only way that you can get away from that is by alternating which direction your bars are in and then because the bees propolize these boxes, you have to stick your, your um, hive tool in there and give it a crack. And also, once you've given it a crack, then you have to take a piano wire and seesaw it through until the other side, and then you, or take a, a very long knife and do the same thing, cut all the way through. And that way you can cut off any attached comb that has been attached to the box below it. And that's that's a con because you are going to kill bees when you do that and it's gonna be horrible and oh my gosh, but that's just how you have to handle these particular items. Um, the other con is where are you going to be putting all of these um, uh, differing tools that you have? Um, You'll end up having to get yourself a, a beekeeping bag, a tool bag, and have everything in there. And then you'll have to have some place to put the little trolley thing that I talked about earlier. Um, and, uh, yeah, so th there are some cons to this particular uh, um, hive. But I think by and far it, it's a beautiful hive. And... You, uh, you really get to understand a little bit more about what the bees' uh, normal activity is because they're able to have uh, normal-shaped wax. And instead of having fa uh, plastic foundations which attract uh, wax moths, the plastic foundations attract wax moths in Langstroth's. Um, in this one, you're not necessarily having the plastic foundations, and so um, you're not attracting pests to the hive. Um, because you're removing the honey boxes from the top, you're not getting a lot of the um, 
poisoning of the babies that usually happen, uh, you know, because we believe that the, the wax is the liver of the hive and the bees chew the wax. And by chewing the wax, whatever they have in their mouth gets embedded in the wax. So if they've got pesticides or herbicides in their mouth and they chew the wax, it gets in or it gets into the wax, and then your babies are born in the wax, so they absorb all those bad things. So um, it does get rid of the older wax a whole lot better than the Langstroths do, but at the same time, you're constantly making wax, so you're constantly causing issues for yourself because bees only make wax usually um, early spring to midsummer. They don't usually make wax midsummer to fall and uh, so if you're you you have to stick to the cycle of adding in the spring taking in the fall you know you can't just sort of say oh my gosh this thing's booming let's get some more boxes in there and so that's why people end up throwing in three boxes in the spring and the, having the bees work them down and then taking boxes off in the fall um, so you do not get to take advantage of the different flows so, um, you know, here in, in Alberta, we get uh, two and a half flows. So literally, we would only be able to take advantage of the flow at the end of the year, which is not our major flow, um, mostly because you're not having the wax buildup that you usually have. Um, you require a flow to have wax building happening. Um, it requires essentially about six units of nectar to one unit of wax. So you have to have a flow on or you have to be feeding. And that's an issue if you're constantly adding boxes to the bottom and they're not making wax at that time. You're going to end up with a whole big huge space on the bottom with nothing in it. Um, the other thing that you have to worry about is... Um, <laughs> The whole entire life cycle of the bee, you are not exposed to that life cycle. So you have less control over if the bees swarm. You have less control over opening up the boxes and checking to see if there are swarm cells. Maybe taking off the swarm cells and putting the swarm cells into your nukes. You do not have... Uh, the ability to check in there as much for um, to see what the pattern brood laying pattern of the queen is you are not necessarily aware of whether or not the queen is starting to fail <laughs> there's a whole lot of hands-on beekeeping that just doesn't happen in this and um, that's why we say it's more of a hands-off experience and it's more of a flip your coin see whether or not your beehive is going to make it through the winter see whether or not your beehive is going to actually make it through the summer and uh, you have to be aware of swarms happening and if you can be aware of swarms happening maybe you can catch the swarms the old way that they used to with uh, a net bag and you put it over the hive as the swarm starts leaving. They go to the top of the net bag, which you suspend over the hive about three or four feet. They go and attach up at the top of the net bag. You pull the net bag off the hive when you see that they have a huge big swarm in there. And you take that net bag to your new hive and shake it into your new hive. I mean, 
that's one way you can mechanically swarm, but you usually aren't able to go in and do a lot of manipulating. What you can do is if you discover you, you see that there are two boxes that have brood in it, um, you can go and do a blind split, take those two boxes, put them on separate columns and have the bees that are don't have the queen make their own queen and then the bees that have their own queen just keep on doing what they're doing with a decreased amount of babies there so there is that ability to split the hives however it's a lot more difficult <laughs> and uh, you're you're a lot more hands-off-ish on your beekeeping. So um, not necessarily the best thing for newer beekeepers who are trying to learn how to do things, but it, it is something that you can do in order to um, be able to have your hive, have it more natural, do less involvement with the bees, and essentially, Whichever beehives don't work that spring, you harvest everything from that beehive and you start again in the, the next spring. You buy a new um, a nucleus hive or a new uh, uh, swarm pack and you put it in. Uh, swarm packs actually work better for these things than, than a nucleus hive because they're not interchangeable with whatever nucleus hive you're getting from somebody else unless they're selling you Warray nucleus hives and so um yeah there's you know a little bit of stuff and another con here that's not described is you can't go to the store and just purchase a new warray box if you happen to need another warray box you have to make it so you know you have to have the time and the energy and and the machines to make these uh, warray boxes so it, they're not as easily purchased and and uh, yeah so <laughs> that's another bad thing with that so um, you take it for what it is and uh, if this is something that appeals to you there's tons of information on the web on how to make how to um, beekeep with a warray hive this is something that is more common in England um, um, and uh, in Europe, but not so common here in Canada and the United States. Um, mostly because uh, factory beekeeping has essentially taken over the whole entire business and uh, a lot of us beekeepers tend to feed off of the factory beekeeping, so we uh, pick up hives for a lot less from from people who are doing um, pollination and they just want to get rid of the hives that they used for the pollination. Um, trying to transfer something like that into a warray hive, it would take a lot of doing. You would have to have some specialized equipment uh, to, to go between the uh, Langstroth to the warray. It's, yeah... So you can do it, but it's going to be rough. So just an idea of what's going on and, uh, and uh, you know, learn what you can about the Worry Hive and see whether or not it's good for you. Thank you so much for listening, and we really appreciate you coming. If you can, um, on the podcast uh, platform that you're listening to, please give me uh, either a thumbs up or five stars or whatever it has to 
um, help me with the uh, algorithms and, and getting more people listening. Um, <laughs> it really helps with my fragile male ego here, so having more people listen. But more than that, it, it's really helpful to be able to reach the most amount of people and to help the most amount of uh, new beekeepers and, uh, and uh, you know, get some fellowship amongst the older beekeepers as well. So um, if you have any questions, please give me an email at fatbeehoneyranch at gmail.com. And uh, also we do have a Discord that if you're wanting to talk one-on-one, -on -one, we can do that. And other than that, you guys have a great day.